You're listening to Life and Leadership, A Conscious Journey, the podcast that shares wisdom and strength. Join your host, Dr. Michelle St. Jane's weekly conversation on how to have a positive impact for people, planet, and the wider world. If you want to live a life of intention, be proactive with your time, and bring your vision for the future to life one today at a time, you are in the right place at the right time. Let's get started. John, thank you so much for being here today. I really value your courage and wisdom around recovery. Can you share your story from discovery to recovery? Yeah, thanks, Michelle, for uh, asking me to come on board. My story actually started back in England. I started drinking out in uh, pubs and clubs, just like a regular 18-year-old, officially. It's sort of like uh, got out of hand later on in life. It wasn't till I came to be in Bermuda and work and then eventually meeting this lovely uh, young lady called Judy, who is now my wife today, where my recovery first started. I got into a lot of difficulties with drinking and my life was going down in a very quick spiral. And it wasn't until I was introduced to a gentleman called Reggie and he was a member of a fellowship and sort of brought me under their fold. I am eternally grateful to that man and all the people that were there in my days who showed me that there was a better way to live rather than drinking my life down the toilet. So and what I did is eventually they introduced me into the AA program, and I've been a proud member ever since. And tomorrow I will celebrate 37 years of continued sobriety. I believe for myself as an alcoholic, I learned very early in the beginning that what I was given was a gift and it was called sobriety. That gift is not to be used or abused. And for me to keep it, I have to pass it on to someone else. And I've been trying to do that in my life in a lot of different areas. The one thing that I will say is that it's a one day at a time program because if I try to live beyond that, I get into a lot of difficulties. And that's where my life had sort of gone downhill. I met some fabulous people in the program and they've enriched my life whenever they've come on at board, you know? I learned that if I wanted to stop drinking, I would have to put the drink down. And then they introduced me to a 12-step program where maybe that if I worked hard, did all the right things that they told me to do, I could stay sober one day at a time. And the 12 steps have given me principles and values back in my life, which for some reason I have drank away. And now with those type of principles and values in my life, I'm able to make it not only in the program, but also in social life outside of the meeting rooms. I will say, though, if it hadn't been for the love and dedication of my family, Judy, uh, my two girls, that maybe I wouldn't be here today talking to you. But I would like to say that it's an ongoing, continuous sort of occurrence where I still go to meetings today because I believe there may be someone who may walk in that door who has lost all hope in their world and suddenly 
I'm there to just hold the hand of AA out and say, look, I was hopeless once like you, but if you come in here, you sit and listen, we will give you some form of hope that maybe you can turn this around. And I've been grateful for that forever since, you know? Carrying the message of hope, I've always used that for me and my philosophy is because the anagram of hope is hearing other people's experiences. And it's other people's experiences that have kept me sober in this longevity that I enjoy today. I will talk about my family because they're very important to me, not here overseas and that, you know. But the fact is that when I met Judy and she had two beautiful little girls, I realized that there was a treasure I did not want to discard. If I had kept on drinking, I could have lost all of that very easily. So I would say to anybody that is, you know, encouraged by me talking to them today, that if they have a drinking problem, there's help for them. They don't need to go it alone. And the help in Bermuda, where I come from, is that you can go to our hotline, aa.bm, on the website, and you will find there all types of information that will assist you. The other thing is that I always sign off on some of my emails, peace and serenity, because before I stopped drinking, there was no peace in my life, just sheer turmoil. But today, having gone through the program of the 12 steps, my life has got a good vision. I have a focus to where I'm going. And I have a dedication to the people around me. So thank you for letting me share. John, you have an amazing place in the world, and I appreciate you sharing your wisdom. We'll go to the other half now. (laughs) And Judy, I would love to hear from you as well. Thank you for being present today. Hey, Michelle. It's good to talk to you. You know, I've been living with alcoholics since the day I was born. My dad was alcoholic. He drank alcoholic until I was 14. And when I was 14, he got really, really sick. And these two guys came to the house and everything was whispering and quiet. And we're like, what the heck is going on? Anyway, we're driving out. He's taking me that day. He's driving me to the girl guys. And he says to me in the car going out the driveway, you don't think I'm an alcoholic, do you? And I said, yes, daddy, I do. And I couldn't believe that I actually said that because I thought my dad was like the most wonderful man in the world. This is relevant to the rest of my story with John, I can assure you. So time goes by. John arrives on the island, comes to Cornwall in England. And he's here 10 days. And my girlfriend says to me, you never go anywhere. You always just huddle, take care of the kids and go into work. Come out with me for the evening. And I said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm a mommy now. I'll stay with my baby. So she said, come out and have some fun. So anyway, we go to a hotel staff club and they had to buy tickets to buy drinks. So I, I don't drink. I have like one drink and I'm, that's it for me. So I bought $10 worth of tickets and I had some extra tickets left over when we were leaving. So I'm walking up to the bar to get the tickets to my girlfriend. And I bump into John, chest to chest, never seen before in my life. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. He said, don't be sorry, darling. That was lovely. And I thought, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. And we just kept bumping into each other. As far as I'm concerned, God put this man in my life. It was just meant to be. I've heard of love at first sight. I did not believe it. I thought it was storybook romance nonsense. It's true. Believe me, it's true. It happened 38 years we've been married now, so it's still true. He's still on honeymoon all by himself, I keep telling him. But anyway, he drank not so much around me at first, but I could hear stories about him passing out here and there, whatever. But when he drank, he passed out cold. And it just would be like he'd be sitting on the bar stool and he'd fall off 
and he'd be out cold on the floor and someone would get him home. And that was his life, I think, for the Merchant Navy through all his time in England. You know, it was okay until we got married. And now all of a sudden we got two kids to think about. And the last experience, he was found out cold. The police called me. They were so sweet. They called me and they said in the middle of the night, it was 9.30 at night and I was expecting him home for dinner. And they said, listen, we don't want you to worry. He's here. We're going to keep him here until he sobers up and then he'll call you and come on home. You can come get him. I said, okay. So 12.30, he calls me. John calls me and says, come get me. I said, you better tell somebody else to come get you because I'm done. And I was done. And then he was seeing Father Pat, who was a, a Roman Catholic priest, and he was giving him some counseling while he was drinking. The priest said, would you come to counseling with me and John? And I thought, well, I don't. Oh, all right. We're married. I'll try. So we get to the counseling and we're talking with Father Pat. And Father Pat says, John, I think you're an alcoholic. And I know somebody can really help you. And his name is Reggie. And I knew this guy. And I knew he was wonderful because he's a friend of my dad's. So my dad's AA program. Anyway, we're driving away from the priest. And I'm thinking, oh, good. This is great. It's going to get day. Everything's going to be cool. And he says to me in the car, you don't think I'm an alcoholic, do you? And I thought, deja vu. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> so we called Reggie. And he and his wife were so nice. So nice, lovely this was. He and his wife came together to see us. And Reggie said to me on the phone, he said, you sure he wants me to come? I said, yes, he wants you to come. So they came together. And Reggie's wife said to me, well, Reggie and John were talking. His wife said to me, you didn't cause it. You can't control it. And you can't cure it. It's not your problem. It's his problem. The only way it's going to work is a 12-step program. And I thought, okay, I know the 12-step program works. I trust it completely. And I just, you know, we just went ahead from there. He started going to meetings and everything was going really well. After about three years of sobriety, I was ready to get a divorce. I'd had it. I was out enough. It's like, I can't. It was just so wrapped up in his program that I was left out. I was happy that he wasn't drinking, but I just didn't feel like I was part of anything. So the, all the guys at AA kept saying to me, you know, you really, there is a program for you, you know, it's called Al-Anon and it's for the families of the alcoholics. You know, you can go anytime you want because I kept going to the AA meetings with John, right? And they're like, you do have your own program, but it was very valuable for me to attend those AA meetings because I learned a lot about how the alcoholic thinks and whatever. But after, I think it was five years that it his recovery, I finally went to an Al-Anon meeting and it was so surreal because I was like a potted light on the stove where it's not just like just a little tiny flicker. That was me. I was this little, tiny, little, just surviving, going to work, taking care of the kids, taking care of the home. That was my life. And then worrying about this alcoholic who was drinking. A, he didn't drink at home, but every once in a while, he'd just not show up and disappear and end up coming home four o'clock in the morning or whatever. So I finally went to Al-Anon with the guy who came to see his wife. She took me to the meeting. And it was so, they said, this is your program. The focus is on you. You have been severely affected by alcoholism. And I realized since the day I was born, I'd been affected by alcoholism because of you know, my father's situation. And the very first things I dealt with on working on myself was my situation with my father because I didn't realize how much pain there was there. It just, you know, I just stuffed everything down and just got on with life. But when I started working on myself and dealing with stuff, my flame started to grow. And it came from a little tiny pot of light to a real, you know, now it's a full flame. I do things for myself. You know, I started taking classes. When I first started taking, like, I wanted to do a um, pottery class. So I took a class. It was like six weeks of every Tuesday night. And I thought, what are my kids going to say about go out every Tuesday night? Are they going to be upset? And they were like, go, mom, go. And I was like, for heaven's sake, why did I do this hundred years ago? You know? So I had the full encouragement of my family. As John said, the family's been very encouraging. And we use the program in our family life. 
We have something in the program which is called a group conscience. And that's where everybody in the group decides how the group's going to run, what readings we're going what books we're going to read, whatever, whatever, what money we're going to spend on rent, et cetera. Well, we have a group conscience in our family. So if something is going on that's bothering the family, we get together and we all talk and we sit around. We Each person can speak independently without being criticized. And that is amazing. I never had that in my, my growing up family. It was like, just be quiet and do what you told. So this was nice to give everybody a voice. And the youngest one in my family was the most, I don't know, she just got it. She cut right to the core things. We, we'd be like, blah, 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 blah. And she'd be like, yeah, well, how about if we do this? And I was like, that's all we need to do. So it really was amazing how every single person in the family has something to contribute. And that's what we learn in our programs, that everybody has something to contribute. And another thing that I learned that I really valued was that there are other opinions except mine, and they're valid. Because I thought what I knew was the only way to do it. And I've learned through the program, there's all kinds of ways to do it. And some of them work a lot better than mine. I was like living in a tunnel. Now it's a wide open vista. It's really amazing. So it's been a fabulous journey. Like John said, 37 years tomorrow of sobriety is pretty wonderful. So that's it for me. Wow. I can really resonate with what you said, Judy, being an Al-Anonic myself. The alcoholic in my life never went to program. And the suggestion was made to go to Al-Anon. I'm like, why me? I'm doing everything right. I'm not drinking. I'm not causing harm. Oh, boy. (laughs) Did I have my own set of crazy? Yes. Did I grow up in an alcoholic family? Yes. Was my genogram full of women married to alcoholics? Yes. There was a lot of family tree roots to untangle to get to my truth and lean into my wisdom and learning because all that pain was either going to fester or be translated. John, can we welcome you back in? Because I'd love for you to to share how you work together. You've talked about how Pam and Reggie did it, but you guys sponsor your amazing people, amazing influences in the program. And I'm also wondering... Judy, you're friends of Lois W and John, you're friends of Bill W. How have they affected, impacted your life as well? Okay, for me, knowing that Bill W and Bob Smith were the ones who put this together in 1935 and then the big book came out in 1939, it's used as an actual uh, book, like a sort of blueprint for your life. And I use that book in my daily life, and whenever I take on a newcomer or a sponsee, as we call them in our program, is that I walk them through that book so that what Reggie walked me through, I am now passing on and walking other uh, young men through, you know? And it has such a value system to it that whoever does our program, they are guaranteed to have a better life. It takes hard work to achieve anything these days. But if you're willing to put the time in and as a sponsor, I will go that extra mile because someone did it for me free of charge and I would do exactly the same. Because the one thing I believe, Michelle, that we want to give back is we not only want to give back a program, we want to give them back that encouragement and incentives to grow and be their beautiful self. Because as we all know, Drinking is a depression, so it brings everybody downward. So all the things you wanted to achieve as a young man or a young lady, you have now the opportunity because suddenly you're starting a new life. And I always look at AA as a way of life, and it's a brand new life. The past is in the past. 
you have a chance now to start again. And you would be surprised to see the amount of young men and women I've seen in my time that have gone on to accomplish things they never thought they could achieve. You know, I believe as an alcoholic that we weren't just given a gift. We were given an opportunity and a chance to not only help ourselves, but also to help others achieve their purpose in life. And I think Bob and Bill resting souls in their graves today would be so happy how this program has helped not only our program, but gone on to implement in many other types of self-help programs around the world. Thanks, Michelle. This is true. Thank you, John. That's fabulous. So, Judy, we've spoken about Al-Anon. I don't know if you want to add to what John said, but I'd love for you to also mention one of your other passions, Alatine. Hell yeah. That's That was the best experience of my life. I've done a lot of service work in Al-Anon, but the, the best service I did was Alatine. Those children were so real. They just were just so real. And you know what really amazed me more than anything about them? They thought the drinking and the misbehaving was their fault. If I didn't go out with my friends so much, if I stayed home more, if I spent more time with my parents, and you had to keep telling them, you didn't cause it, you can't control it, and you can't cure it. And you know, it's amazing how the kids just, when they got that, you could see the relief on their faces. But they were also just so excited about life, you know. And we do the topics, like one of the topics would say, be anger. We talk about anger. And you know, a lot of teens can be quite angry. They just, life's changing, hormones are aging. And we kind of got to the just investigating anger. And we found out that we think in our particular meeting that a lot of anger may be fear-based. So then we got into what are we afraid of? And it was really interesting. It took me back to a lot of stuff that I dealt with in my teens. But it's, it's interesting in our team because you don't actually sponsor the teens. You sponsor the group. And the Alateens sponsor each other, which is really fabulous to watch them help each other. Just, you know, it's just such a growth thing. I wanted to talk a little bit about service work because um, Bermuda Al-Anon is, is connected to another area. So we have influence in the whole other area that helps us with our growth as well. So I'm really pleased about that. That's true. And it's invaluable, isn't it? For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so grateful for Alateen because it took till I grew up and got Al-Anon before I could work on some of those issues as well. I like one of the acronyms, um, FEAR, false evidence appears real. That appears real. I mean, you know, when you start using some of the acronyms, what's your favorite, Judy? How important is it? That's the one I like. It's not an acronym, but it's a slogan. We have slogans in the program, but the one I used to always say is how important is it? Because I can make the silliest little thing important and be top priority in my life, you know? The other one is hope. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you better just stop and take care of those things before you try to achieve anything. And I find that we always see someone that they're hangry, you know, they're hungry and angry. And that can be a very time where you just lose it. So I have to stop myself and say, okay, what what am I feeling here? I got to hold and check this out and get myself under control. Really good point, because when you're in the midst of a crisis and chaos, you don't have time to be hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I grew up in a household where people were very angry and it resulted in domestic violence. So, you know, there was so many things to take care of, like little brothers and safety and things like that. John, what's your favorite slogan? Say the opposite of faith is fear or vice versa. And we use fear in the fellowship as face everything and run. Well, that was the way we used to live. 
run from everything, you know? They call it the alcohol is like a form of escape. We want to escape all our problems only to find out by the time we come back, we are a bigger problem, you know? And the problem is not in the object, but the problem is in us. And we have to deal with that in, from our inner core. And that's where steps four, five, six, seven work on our daily lives. Because once we admit we're an alcoholic, we also have to accept it. Then once you accept it, you have to do something about it. You can't just leave it there. There's no running away anymore because you've already admitted it. They talk about having a conscience, you know, in our program, but they also talk about the sixth sense and being aware of when things are starting to go downhill, how one can address that for a step. So we're using the uh, 12 steps in our daily lives on a daily basis. And like Judy mentioned, there are times when certain things crop up in our lives, even today, where we have to sit back and say, now I need to look at this from a different perspective because what I'm doing is not working. And that's where the beautiful 12 steps of the program really enhance your life. You know, I'd like to also mention is that on step three, where it asks us to make a decision to bring God back into our life. That was so important to me as an alcoholic because when I started to put drink in front of everything in my life, I lost all sense of value and anything that was God-inspired. And I'm not a religious person proximity-wise, but I try to live as spiritual as one can be. And I think that's what our program has given us. It's given us the spiritual journey that we need to all travel on to find ourselves. And that's why I always say, you know, God gave us a gift. And it, to me, as an alcoholic, is called sobriety. Not everybody gets it, but we at least try to help the ones who make it doors, you know. AA first started. They had their trials and tribulations, just like us today. When people come into the rooms and they feel uncomfortable and they just don't sit well and it takes a few meetings for them to get to know people and it isn't until maybe sometime down the road they understand the book they're reading or the books they're reading, just hang around a bit longer, you know, just don't go out the door and say, this isn't working for me, I'll try something else. Because we know nine times out of ten, they won't be back. And our hearts bleeds when we see that happen. It really does. Because one thing I have learned in Alcoholics Anonymous, you have compassion for the people that come into our rooms and then leave because you often wonder where the hell they are, you know? So thanks once again, Michelle, for allowing us to share our recovery, but to also share our life. Thank you. Thank you, John. And it's incredibly valuable when long-timers like yourself and Judy share your stories and the results, the willingness to do service as well. I, too, am very grateful for the presence of alcoholism throughout my family tree because it gave me the chance to evolve past the traumas and the legacies of those gone before. And I'm well reminded everyone was doing the best they could with what they had at the time they were doing the best that they could. <laughs> yeah, any last words, Judy? We have the programs there. They're available there. The people are there. They're waiting for you to come in. You can walk into a room. You don't have to say a word. You can just go and listen to either an open AA meeting or an Al-Anon meeting. And I was 
just so alone for so long. And it was so nice to have people that understood what I was going through, didn't judge me, didn't criticize me, and most of all, allowed me to talk. Because when I tried to talk to my parents or whatever, they'd say, oh, just get rid of them, divorce him, get rid of them. You don't need that in your life. There was nobody that actually understood that I loved this man with all my heart from the first day I met him. And I wanted a life with him. And just, just tell me to just get rid of him was not acceptable to me. But I'm so pleased that I had the people in the program over the years that have encouraged me, and particularly for the Alateens. I hope that anybody's got Alateens that are struggling with this and they're just acting out and need somewhere to go that they know that the program is there for them and that there is help. And don't be alone if you don't have to be. And thank you very much for letting us share our story. Thank you, Judy and John. Dr. Michelle St. Jane is a conscious steward of meaningful leadership in the world and the wider cosmos. Tune in every Thursday for real talk around life, leadership, and your conscious journey. Be ready to create and cultivate your dreams and soul-hearted desires. Your support is valued. Please subscribe. Leave a review and a rating. But more importantly, share with your connections.